This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, we got a two-man operation. It's the two live crew with you, repping Miami-Dade. Omar Mubayed on the other end of the line here. Omar, how you doing, pal? I'm doing good, man. This is a good week. I'm excited. I am. I am. Hold on. Wait, wait. I'm so excited I forgot to. Yeah, let's get that Guinness open, baby. There we go. That one was that one was loud and lively. That one, that's going to be a good drink. Um, yeah, like I said, we got so much to talk about. Our our cup runneth over. Uh, that we're not even going to start with a, a, an open cup matchup with an MLS squad uh, for our local Miami FC. We're going to put that one off to the side uh, because we have some governmental business to deal with, and that is uh, the approval by uh, the uh, Miami Dade County Commission. Uh, of a real estate deal to uh, sell three acres of land. Three acres, right? Uh, it's a little more. I think it is three acres, yeah. A th- it's somewhere around three acres of land to uh, the ownership group of Miami Beckham United. This is, uh, many people have seen this as kind of the last hurdle, the the unjumpable hurdle, the hurdle that has lasted for almost two years. Um, it, it would now appear that Miami Beckham United, uh, the, the ownership group involved there, have a pathway to success, have a road to victory here on their route to bringing Major League Soccer to the city of Miami and to Miami-Dade County. It is big news. Uh, A lot of people are excited. A lot of people are resistant. Um, But it's definitely something we're talking about. Omar, you were following along live, and and you know a little bit of the ins and outs of uh, Dade County politics, which is a a heck of a a sport unto its own. Um, What did you see from this? Well... It was a long and drawn-out meeting, um, and, and rightfully so. Um, I guess the first thing I'm going to ask you is how deeply do you want me to get into the commission meeting, and, and how deeply do you want me to get into the concerns of other residents? Because I could go on for quite a bit here. I'm not even going to joke around. <laughs> I think I definitely do want to touch on the concerns of the residents because I do think that's important. Cool. Um, I I think it's always fun. To, I, I really do think that, that Dade County politics is a sport unto itself. So I will be happy to talk about this and, and talk about everything that, that kind of unfolded. So I, I, I do want you to uh, kind of take the floor a bit here and uh, educate us all. All right, cool. So um, meeting starts off, and the first thing that you get is a huge group of – protesters, or I want to say people against the idea of the sale of the land, in essence, to build uh, what will be the soccer stadium in Overtown. One notable thing that you did realize is that only one person from the Overtown, the actual Overtown area, showed up uh, to voice their displeasure about the meeting, and this is a lady that shows up every county hearing and has displeasures just about everything that the county commission tries to pass so it's it's it's, you know what man the dais is a comedy show in and of its own you just need to understand the comedy it's a lot like british humor you have to get it in order for it to be funny um but you got a swath just a huge amount i would say probably 20 
or so Spring Gardens residents. For those of you who don't know where Spring Gardens is or have never heard of it before, it's not Miami Springs, and, and we're not talking about Miami Gardens. It's Spring Gardens. So this is an area just immediately west of Overtown. Uh, it's a lot of where you see the old school colonial homes that were built on the river uh, here in Miami, and property values in this area are insanely high. So what happens? These people, obviously, they don't want a soccer stadium in their backyard because they want their little piece of Miami heaven, their little piece of Pinecrest in the urban core to go untouched and to kind of remain unnoticed and hidden in, in plain sight, to be honest. So one after the other, what do they do? They sit there and they bash the deal. They bash the deal based on price of the square footage that the Beckham team is paying. Uh, they bash the deal based off the apparently the atmosphere and how loud it's going to be uh they bash it on traffic they bash it on pedestrian use they bash it because they feel bad for the people of overtown which may be the first time anybody in spring gardens has ever felt bad for the socioeconomic <laughs> status of the people of overtown um, and then the big one was and the one that really hit home and hit a chord with me and got me upset was you had this one guy come up and basically say he doesn't want twenty five thousand uh drunk people walking through his neighborhood because it's going to affect how his kids can go to school and how his kids can do homework and all these things and and one notable thing that you notice is that none of these people did their research nobody knew how many games mls plays in a season nobody knew how many home games there's going to be no, nobody knew we heard six we heard 12 mls actually hosts about 17 home games a season not including friendlies and open cup uh so just strictly league play you know obviously notwithstanding playoffs etc so first of all, all of their arguments were just just crazy numbers, crazy facts and figures that you know they tried to you know drive home to the county commission. Um, and then you had, as soon as you had the wave of people against it, you almost had everybody in the wave for the people for it. And the way that this works is that the earlier you show up uh, to the to the chambers is going to be the earlier you can speak on the issue. So I guess all of the soccer people got there a little late. Um, so what happened? You had notably Brian Corey and Eric Corey of Southern Legion and AO and, and you know notable names in Miami soccer when it comes to fandom. Um, you also had Chris Allen, uh, president of the Miami Arsenal supporters group, one that Drew, who is missing in action today, is, is very... Uh, very much a part of, very much fond of, I guess I should say. Um, and you had a few other guys come in and, and support the project. And at the very, very end, um, and I think our favorite Welshman and everybody's favorite Welshman, Lee Eifens, he got his grinds geared a little bit. And I think it was, yes, by, he the, did. I think it was by the same guy that pissed me off too as I was watching it. Yes, it was. Um, and it's just one of those things where he, he basically said all of the good things that come with having a soccer team in your area with regards to community involvement, community outreach, volunteer efforts. You're going to have people supporting causes that they probably would have never heard of just because the soccer team is promoting that cause. Uh, Omar, if, if you can for pause for just one second, I actually want to I want to drop that audio in because uh, Lee shared – uh, the video on his Facebook page. I'm, I'm going to pull. We didn't talk about this before the show, but it's so good uh, that I, I want to add it in. And so we, we uh, if, if you wouldn't object. Go for it. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll pause right here and, and let, uh, again, everyone's favorite Welshman, Lee Eifens, who, who spoke so eloquently about the culture of soccer and really of American soccer, I, I, I feel. Um, it, it was just great. It was really great. And to hear his voice in front of the county commission was, was quite enjoyable. Um, so here's Lee Eifens. Um, I am a huge soccer fan and I am an active member of the supporters group of Miami's current pro soccer team, Miami FC. Um, 
I know that you will all make the right decision today for the stadium, but just in terms of soccer fans in their community, I believe we are more active in our local communities than fans of any other sport. I've personally been at fundraisers for a charity called Sunraisers, which works to get um, items that people need into Venezuela, and also Flying Hyper Haiti, uh, which helps with um, the ongoing relief efforts there. Um, soccer, an MLS team in Miami, and my friends in the Southern Legion, will expand the positive impact of soccer fans in this community. I was recently down in the Biscayne Green underneath the Metro Mover, and we ran an event there. Uh, we had kids come down and play soccer with us, and we couldn't drag them off the pitch. They wanted to play, they wanted to play, they wanted to play. We get people outdoors, we're a welcoming group, and I think that if you bring an MLS team into Overtown, it will bring people into Overtown and it will foster positive relationships between people in other parts of Miami-Dade and people in Overtown. So good luck with your decision, and I'm looking forward to you making the right one. Thank you for your time. All right, so you heard Lee there. Uh, Omar, I so rudely interrupted um, uh, before. If you would continue so kind of giving us the breakdown. <laughs> Please continue, sir. So, as you heard from Lee, basically, uh, I was kind of paraphrasing everything that he just or had said at the meeting. Um, Chris Allen also spoke very eloquently about his passion and and why he founded the Arsenal Club in Miami. Um, and it's because you get all people from all walks of life coming together and, and wearing the same shirt as you. Um, people from different socioeconomic statuses, people from all walks of life, race, religion, creed, sexual orientation, etc. And you bond together for two, three hours on a Saturday morning. Um, and it's powerful, man. It's powerful. Um, Matt has gone to many Liverpool events um, in South Florida. I have been very lucky to go to quite a few Manchester United events throughout South Florida. And it's powerful because these are people you wouldn't normally see, people you wouldn't meet outside of your common interest. Um, and, and it does create a bond and, and, and a brothership and, and I don't want to say fraternity, but essentially, yes, a fraternity uh, within that community just because of your common goal and your common strive and and how positive everybody is after a win and how defeated everybody is after a loss so you know the commission took his words with you know and they they seemed to uh for both of them actually they seemed to you know understand where they were coming from um the chairman commissioner bovo from hialeah um he basically said he's a Dolphins fan. He understands, you know, what it's like to be frustrated after a loss, especially. So it wasn't bad. Um, so what did you have? You had all the all the negators, all the supporters come in, speak their piece, and then you had Miami Beckham United come in and create a presentation about where the stadium's going to be, how the stadium's going to be paid for, um, what is going to be their parking arrangements, and, and basically, you know, what they expect to happen, how many events they expect to hold, etc. So after this happens, now every commissioner gets his turn or her turn to ask questions, leading off with Audrey Edmondson, um, who is the... Uh, commissioner for the area that the stadium is going to be built in so Edmondson goes on and praises Miami Beckham United for basically agreeing to almost everything her community asked for and that's big because they asked for a lot of things they asked for a certain amount of jobs they asked for a certain amount of living wage for those positions they asked for certain promises that the stadium needs to keep up etc so that was it was big that they were willing uh, to work with Overtown and work with uh, Commissioner Edmondson with regards to that nature. After that, I believe you had Joe Martinez was the first to speak, and he very notably said, you know, in Miami, people don't walk. 
Uh, Miami Beckham United is going to have this has this idea and this philosophy that people will be willing to walk eight to eighteen minutes uh, from different metro rail stations or from different bus stations or from different kind of drop off points in order for you to get to the stadium um, or from the ferry or from the ferry. Correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, the ferry. I don't want to get involved with that yet. Let, let that become a reality. Then we'll talk about that. So. <laughs> You have all these things, and, and he said, rightfully so, people in Miami don't walk. But that's a culture that can change. That's something that can change. People don't walk now because of the heat and because how public transportation isn't, you know, very well structured here in this city. Um, you had a few other commissioners, you know, have their quips and qualms about it. Daniel Levine Cava stated that Colmer Station, uh, which is going to be one of the nearest metro stations to the stadium, isn't equipped to handle the amount of passengers. Um, and essentially, it seemed like she asked... Uh, Miami Beckham United to front um, or to provide funding to you know repurpose that st- that Metrorail station, which is kind of absurd. Um, and then you had a series of other commissioners making demands about things that they wanted to see in order to get their vote. Which uh, I don't know if it was pomp and circumstance or if there were actually concerns. Um, Commissioner Pepe Diaz out from the Sweetwater area in Miami, he wanted to make sure that only Miami Dade Police Department uh, forces would be used within the stadium for security detail and then the city of Miami would be able to get a common fight that basically takes place in every sports venue that's yep. in the city of Miami every venue basically. <laughs> that's a tale as old as time yeah basically basically um, and then you know fire rescue as well being inside uses and then everybody else can fight uh, for basically from the sidewalk out essentially um, and then you had uh, the, the, the always the comedian the, the commissioner in my district in my home district of Westchester uh, Commissioner Soto Jesus Christ, man, like, this is the guy when he speaks, you don't know if you want closed caption, because you don't know if closed caption can keep up, or you don't know if you want a translator, or you don't know if you're in the middle of a stand-up comedy routine, but he started off his presentation, or I guess his questions by saying, this is Miami, Miami is this, we are Miami, this is Miami, I love Miami, I love you, Miami. Wait, huh? What? Glad we made that clear. I don't under, like, I don't understand. So, yes, Commissioner Soto is one of the leading figures in Miami soccer with respect to building or getting the funding and the projects, you know, green-lighted with regards to Kendall Soccer Complex and things like that. However, um, towards the end of the commission, as they were asking for more and more things from Miami Beckham United and Tim Lewicki kind of saying yes and no, kind of at a whim, um, Commissioner Soto decided to say, well, if you're not willing to promise a certain amount of funding level to the Parks Department, um to enhance youth soccer, then I will vote no. It's like, wait a second, you just spent the entire meeting saying you're going to vote yes. The entire (laughs) meeting saying you're going to vote yes. And all of a sudden now, because they're not willing to promise you money, money that they don't have to promise you, because the stadium is privately financed, it is going to be privately owned, it's going to be privately upheld, and they're going to pay property taxes on it. I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. I don't whim. So maybe that was just a whole bunch of just pomp and circumstance for always wanting to vote no on this issue. Um, Although passionately, he seemed to, you know, really get upset about this lack of funding for parks. Um, Notably, the the biggest important thing about the stadium deal is that most, if not all, of the Miami sports stadiums do not pay uh, property tax. The Heat have a deal saying that if they do not profit, they do not have to pay any tax revenue. Um... The Dolphins and they note, pay their accountants instead of paying the tax. Basically, uh, the Dolphins <laughs> uh, just got a sweetheart deal, um, or I should say, Stephen Ross got a sweetheart deal in order to lessen his property tax burden um, for Hard Rock Stadium, and the Marlins 
fuck, I'm not even going to bother. Gonna, I don't even want to open up that kind of worms <laughs> for myself. So Not worth it. No, it's not worth it. So MLS uh, will be paying property taxes. And then some people on Twitter were saying, well, hey, you know, we're talking about dock stamps and the county has to pay $350,000 on dock stamps. And I replied, I think this was uh, a Doug Hanks tweet, um, writer for the Miami Herald. And I said, your average 1,500 square foot home on a roughly... 4,000 square foot piece of land pays $3,000 in property taxes in Miami. We're talking about a stadium in Overtown. You're going to make all your dock stamps back probably in the first year of, pay- of property taxes. Yeah. So, I mean, realistically speaking, they're paying for everything. They're paying you a bunch. They're taking care of 99% of the deal. You have to pay 1% of it as, the, as I guess, a closing cost almost, you want to call it. Man, I, that's no reason to, to, to stop the deal there from happening. So um, after everything and all of the deliberations were held, the vote passed. Uh, eight commissioners to four. Um, I don't remember who were the four that voted no, and I don't remember who abstained. I think Miss Edmondson may, Commissioner Edmondson may have abstained because it is her home district, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but I don't think it was ever a concern of it passing the dais. Now the next stops and the next fights are going to be with the city uh, for zoning purposes, making sure that you can change that piece of land to have a stadium on it. And then last but not least, getting Garber to sign off on us being the 24th franchise in the MLS. I do think... You know, a, a lot of people, <laughs> rightfully so. Oof, I need I a beer. That was long. Yeah, no kidding. That was very informative, though. Um, there's, you know, once bitten, twice shy thing going on here where people are saying, well, it's not done yet. It's not over yet. There's still things to do. And as you just said, that's 100% true. However, if at this point something gets thrown in the, the works to mess it up, it will have had to have been a tremendous mess up because the, the city of Miami has basically from the jump been more supportive of this idea than the county for the most part the mayor has gone on record the mayor of the city of miami tomas regalado has been more supportive of this idea um than the county commission the mayor of miami Dade county has been supportive as well but uh, i i really don't foresee that being the hurdle and if that's not the hurdle then the mls isn't going to be the hurdle because their whole point is that the stadium needed to be finished, and if the you know the stadium issue needed to be finished, it needed to be resolved. There needed to be some sort of governmental approval, and if the city and the county are both on board, then it's approved. Uh, now I say that knowing that this is Miami, and anything can happen at any time. You know, it, the weather's like the politics. If you don't like what you have, wait a couple <laughs> minutes; things will change. Um, but yeah, I, I really think. It, this is the beginning of the end. It's not the end of the beginning. It's the beginning because the beginning was so, so very long. Um, but I do think it's the beginning of the end where you can start to see the terminus point. Um, you can start to see the, the, the finish line. Um, yeah, and it's a, it's a very interesting, important development for soccer in Miami-Dade County. Again, whether you're a supporter or an opponent or, you know, whatever, whatever team you plan on supporting or not supporting, it's, it's a big freaking deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, a lot of people think that this has to go to uh, the state yet for some kind of agreement or some kind of, I guess, final rationalization. It does not have to go to the state. The state has no interest um, and has no jurisdiction over this piece of property or the team coming into existence. Um, Anything that would go through the state would just be essentially tax rebates that the Beckham team would ask for down the road. Um, But the actual stadium and team have nothing to do with the state. So once it passes... City's zoning requirements or the city's zoning changes, um, and it will then go on to MLS, and then 
Don Garber would eventually then either give the red light or the green light to the project, and I can't imagine him giving the red light at this point, to be quite honest with you. Man, what a dick move that would be. Oh, it would be horrendous, man. Can oh you just my imagine? god, what a dick move that would be. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way, and he, he wants it down here. You know, he apparently doesn't want it as bad as his freaking second New York <laughs> team, but that's another story. I, I'll um, tell you this, though. I, I think... A lot of people have been saying now, especially some of our friends from Tampa, um, some are arguing that, you know, Miami getting this deal done essentially hinders or hurts the Tampa Bay deal. And I don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is that I think MLS has always had Miami in their back pocket. As long as Beckham was for sure wanting to put the team here, I don't think they've ever thought um, that this team would not be here as long as Beckham would agree to put it. Uh, in Miami, not change his mind down the road, which is something that most Miami soccer fans, you know, with in-depth knowledge and with behind-the-scenes knowledge, were scared of. Um, in addition to that, though, I think Tampa Bay does have a strong bid, especially because of their stadium and where they're located, and the fact that you can now have that Florida trifecta um, and then just be down the road from Atlanta. So now you have four teams with just, you know, an intense rivalry all located within a two-hour plane ride of each other. Um, so... It's going to be really interesting to see um, not only how the Miami MLS deal progresses, but also now if this kind of kickstarts the Tampa Bay deal and and hopefully getting, uh, I shouldn't even say Tampa Bay, I should say MLS to St. Pete, uh, the St. Petersburg deal uh, (laughs) to get MLS um, for the Rowdies, essentially. I I think this is an interesting development for, for, as you referenced, everyone else who's been on the sidelines uh, in terms of, you know, MLS expansion. When you look at Sacramento, when you look at St. Pete, uh, when you look at, uh, you know, um, uh, I I know I'm forgetting a big one, and I shouldn't. Uh, We're making big MLS pushes. Oh, well, when I think of it, I'll come back to it. Uh, The point is, I think that the the market has been frozen um, by Miami. I feel like that everyone – Miami is the (laughs) – proverbial duke and duke uh enterprises of mls where everyone is waiting for them to act like in trading places and when they act everyone will follow um i i think now that this is again knock on wood cross your fingers say a prayer to your deity of choice now that it appears to be kind of coming in for a landing i think that other dominoes will start falling quickly uh, because there is interest, there is money, and there is growth potential in this league, and I don't think Don Garber is going to want to wait anymore. Now, does that mean that now that he has this secondary decision to make, does that benefit St. Pete? It could. Does it hurt St. Pete? It could. Um, ultimately, I think it comes down to the health and the viability of all the different bids and, and, and um, you know the, all the different proposals that come out. Um, yeah. I think three teams in Florida would be great. I think it would be super fun. Uh, I think that Miami wrongly lost their team in 2001 because of poor ownership. I think Tampa Bay wrongly lost their team in 2001 because of poor ownership. Um, And I I think that those markets could succeed now. I also think I wanted to reference something I read from uh, Kartik Krishnayer, who we reference uh, occasionally here on the podcast, uh, sometimes a polarizing figure in South Florida soccer. But I actually liked his his post on the developments uh, of the county commission uh, approving this deal. I, I thought there was a lot to take away from there. And again, he's not necessarily a, a neutral perspective. He's been uh, pretty, I would say, negative on the the proposal uh, for a pretty long time. He has allegiances at Broward and, 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 and now in Palm Beach. Um, but I thought his analysis was pretty on point, that whether 
you know, when, when people in the Tampa St. Pete market say, oh, well, Miami's technically a smaller TV market or, you know, it doesn't have XYZ or the Rowdies get certain commitments of tickets and this and that. It did, none of that mattered with the Miami bid. The Miami bid is the Miami market, the Miami brand name, and what that means for international soccer. That, you know, you've had this expansion, this very successful expansion of MLS in recent years to places like Portland um, and places like Atlanta. And, Atlanta, you know, Atlanta's pretty big. It's hosting the Olympics. But Miami is on a different level. Whether you're, you know, if we're talking Nielsen ratings and, and homes with televisions, that that's one thing. But people know Miami. The soccer world knows Miami. And for this league to have existed for 25 years now, 96, 06, no, 20 <laughs> years, 21 years. Um, and this gaping hole have existed in it for 15, um, it doesn't make any damn sense. And, and now the league is moving to rectify that, and it will give the league additional cachet that even the second team in New York or the second team in Los Angeles couldn't do. Um, right. And so, again, if you're looking at this from you know, your Sacramento or your Cincinnati or your Tampa, and you're saying, well, oh, Miami didn't do what we do. Okay, well, that's fine. Did, it, none of that ever mattered. None of that ever mattered. You're on your own qualifications and terms, whether it's fair or unfair, whether it's right or wrong. It's really irrelevant because we're talking about the overall health and benefit of the league. And if you're interested in joining it, you would care about that too. And when it comes time for your bid to be adjudicated and looked at, the league will look at it on its own terms and you will be competing with, you know, Tampa will be competing with Sacramento and someone may get in and someone may not. And and that's that's it. And Miami never had a bearing on that one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Wow, man, twenty five minutes on MLS Miami. I didn't think we'd be spending this much time on the stadium <laughs> and the and the county deliberations. But um, if it's all right with you, I think we should go ahead and move on um, over to last weekend's game, the Miami FC win against the Jacksonville Armada. Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, just in case you're getting a little impatient, we are going to absolutely talk about Orlando. We're saving the best for last because we have a little bit of a treat. Um, so we're we're making you hold on. This is what we call you know teasing uh, teasing it here in, in uh, uh, the the broadcast world. So uh, <laughs> last weekend, um, a kind of sneaky important game uh, as it kind of bore out because it really was important in, in Miami FC standings in the league. Um, uh, a bit of a tight victory, but a victory at that uh, against Jacksonville. And uh, we now look at the table, and Miami FC have a little bit of space. Um, Omar, what do you take away from that game? Huge game. Huge game, huge implications on the table, especially with what happened tonight at the time of recording, where Edmonton get their second win of the season, uh, beating the New York Cosmos to keep Miami's edge on the table, which we'll talk about in just a second. Uh, Miami needed a win. I Miami- believe, quick clarification, I think that's third win. I, th- I don't think the table updated. I'm, I, I think they have three. I could be wrong. They have three? They're good enough to have three? Yeah, I think they have ten points now. Um, huh. I think they're three, one, and six. Oh, so they're good enough to have three wins. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Anyway, actually, I don't know, buddy. They wait. Yes, you're right. They are three, one, and six. Sorry. Okay then. All right. Anyway. No so- worries. Literally, <laughs> the game just ended like while we were talking about uh, Javier Soto. So it's it's not. Well, that- listen. I, we have to talk about Edmonton in just a few minutes. So there you go. I am underestimating Edmonton before we get yes. to the preview. Anyway. So uh, again, this match important uh, as it can create space and keep space between Miami at the top of the table and the second place uh, team, which in this case is still the Jacksonville Armada. Um, Jacksonville Armada come into the game uh, and they host a strong 11. Why? Because Jacksonville Armada, uh, for the most part, 
didn't play very well um, during their Open Cup round. And they were able to have some extra rest um, and able to make sure that they play a strong 11 coming into this game. And they also have the reigning NASL player of the month in Zach Steinberg holding uh, the line in their midfield, um, acting as their number 10. Jacksonville Armada top to bottom. Again, the team we've talked about previously as we don't know what to expect, but they've come off to a hot start. And you saw in this game how they're able to shut teams down. Miami being able to put up two goals against the Rowdies and, and, and put up, you know, quite a few spots up against different teams throughout the league this year, held the only one goal. But guess who the goal scorer was? The man who was unlocking all the answers uh, for the questions that teams are asking of Miami FC. That man goes by two words. Queso Blanco, Dylan Mares, 35th minute header, coming from Blake Smith on the left wing, gets up in the air, boom, back of the net, 1-0. Miami takes the lead in the 35th minute, and that's pretty much all she wrote. Um, the rest of the game, there were a few chances traded, some extra chances for Jacksonville as Miami looked to kind of square away a game. Nesta has talked previously about wanting to kind of shut games down in a Mourinho-style fashion to make sure that teams get frustrated, don't get a you know a barrage of chances towards the late uh, and late stages and end of the game. And Miami did a good job of doing that. Um, Drew, I'm um, Drew. Sorry, Matt. What did you see uh, with regards to this game? Because Drew made the trip, so that's probably why he's not here. He's still recovering. Yes, yeah. We have we have some good off the podcast stories about that uh, about that game that got shared in the old uh, Day Brigade chat. Um, what what I'm impressed by, and again, I, I like the macro. I like the big picture. Um, when you look at the Miami FC over their last four games, they've given up one goal. Um, I think you're starting to see. The back line starting to kind of gel and form a bit and and really work together well. And to me, that's even more exciting than, you know, the offense putting up two or three. This was a a bit of a grinder. You're in, you're on the road. You're still kind of in this haze of the Open Cup. Um, You know, it's, you have a Wednesday game, you got to go to the Saturday game. Uh, To go on the road and get that three points against a team second in the table, chasing you. Um, I thought that was a tremendous statement of intent uh, from the Miami FC. Um, and, yeah, again, if they had won 3 or 4 nil, that would have been great too. But to be in a, a real a real grinder and to have to kind of survive it, um, I think it's, a, you know, you talk about like character-building moments, that you don't make them, they make you, that they just kind of appear and you have to deal with them. You know, you get this big win against Tampa Bay, you know, you send them packing back over to the West Coast, and and you're the kings of lower division soccer in Florida now, and you've got this big date against Orlando that could be really, you know, franchise defining, team defining. And now this Jacksonville game looks small; it looks less important, but it's really important because you're competing in the league and they're in second place. the The fact that they were able to screw their heads on right and, and get that three points was, to me. Very, very impressive. And it tells me, again, knock on wood, cross your fingers, pray to your deity of choice. Um, this is going to come down to the end, and Miami FC are going to have a very good opportunity to claim that spring season title. Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing you saw was uh, Mason Trafford and Red Bernstein looking very well together um, in the middle 
uh, of that back line. Uh, you had Blake Smith getting a start playing the full 90 on left back, so it's good to see him activate his legs a bit, and Freeman down the right flank again. That right flank position, or that right back position, really seems to be plug and play. It doesn't really matter who they put back there, whether it's Freeman, Farfan, uh, Barajo, LaHood at times. Um, that right back position, all four of those guys played equally well, um, and they all bring a different... Um, style of play to that position, which is extremely important and, and adds the versatility of Miami's depth and, and Miami FC's bench. Um, with regards to the stats, possession basically 50-50. Armada got the notch there by a couple decimal points. Um, you saw a bunch of passing from both from both teams. The game was kind of wide open at times, so you saw essentially the same amount of passes, which is something that, that you usually see in these tight contestant games. Um, you know, 506 passes for Miami FC, 507 for the Jacksonville Armada. The passing accuracy, both teams passing above a clip of 83%. Um, crosses into the box, Jacksonville Armada did get a few more in there, and they were successful with the ones they had. Again, this comes down to shots on goal um, and how many shots you take from inside the box. Armada had seven shots from inside the box. Um, I don't know if that's a testament to how fatigued this team may have been. I don't know if this is a testament to, you know, playing those three games in seven days. But seven shots from inside the box are, are very risky. However, only two of those were on target. So Vega didn't have a whole heck of a lot to do back there. And when he did have stuff to do, he was able to answer the bell uh, quite well. Miami FC was able to get uh, five shots from inside the box. Four of those did end up coming on target. Um, and they got the goal. So it's extremely important to remember that, you know, Michael Hood said at the press conference at the end of the Open Cup game that you had to put Jacksonville to the sword. Yes. But putting them to the sword doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a 5-0, you know, slobber knocker up and down the ring. Um, it could be a 1-0 win. But I, in my opinion, Miami put Jacksonville to the sword here. Yeah, I, I agree. They really... Again, they, they, they just showed their character, man. They just showed... What what they want to do? They clearly have, you know, the focus, the 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 dedication. Again, you play it on Wednesday, drag your ass in a bus up ninety five, get into Jacksonville on Saturday, and playing that kind of game where you are keeping possession fifty fifty. Right. You know, it would be very easy for Jacksonville to have won possession in that game by a bigger margin, just because Miami FC might have been a little tired, even if they you didn't play a full ninety. True. Um, in that game against Tampa, you're tired from from getting getting geared up for it. It's the first time this season we had a midweek game against what I would say is comparable competition. Although South Florida Surf, as we know, don't sleep on them. They did a heck of a job, <laughs> but the, the, it was a whole degree of difference. It was a whole different level, and the fact that they basically kept that game to a hold, to a, to an even draw, and then made the most of the opportunity that fell to them that they created, I should say. Um, that's just, that's great. And it's what you want to see from a team that has great ambition. And we are now at the, the point with this team that I think we can say that they have great ambition. They they aren't just looking at, you know, winning the next game. They're looking at winning a lot. They have they have winning on the brain. And I think it's tremendous. I, I, I'm very excited with the direction of this team. They go on the road. You think they can win. They play at home. They're winning. You know, it's it's not a question of if it's when they win at home. Right. Um, you know, the, this last month has been uh, very. You know, w- when the when the hardest game they've really had in the last month. I know they had to draw in Puerto Rico, but again, that's on the road. When the hardest game they had was was the 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 first game in the Open Cup against the Surf. Um, 
I think that can be kind of written off as a fluke. And when you look at the rest of the body of work, they've really done a, a, a hell of a job in the last, you know, 30, and I mean, 30 days. There's also something to be said, though, playing against a team like the Surf. And, and one thing that was that was said to me immediately as I walked into the press box the game after the Surf was, did you see what happened to the Surf's roster? All of the players who were cup-tied to the Surf all ended up on different teams immediately thereafter. So, yeah. You know, these were guys looking to get into the tournament, looking to make some noise, playing together. Really mercenary soldiers of fortune, almost for the surf here, without getting paid. And um, and they they put up a hell of a fight against Miami, as we saw. But these are guys that shouldn't be playing in a development league. All most of these guys have professional experience and can't play at the pro level. They just weren't lucky enough to get a contract early on in the season, and most of them have gone on to get contracts now for lower sides in USL. Um, and other leagues around the world. So, you know, good for them, good for those boys. Um, the match had 3,400 people in attendance, which is a strong showing uh, for Jacksonville. Jacksonville normally averages about uh, 3,200, and they were above the average there, just on par with their average from last season's attendance. Remember, this is a new stadium Jacksonville plays at. They, knew, they do now play at the uh, University of North Florida last year. I think they were, I don't even know where they were playing last year. I think, I want to say it was the baseball stadium, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, so going going on with that, um, we had four games this weekend. Obviously, we had a game wrap-up just now, but four games this weekend in the NASL, and none of the heavy hitters uh, were hosting, meaning Indy and Miami, really. Um, you had North Carolina hosting to a clip of about 4,027, about 500 under their 2017 average. You had Puerto Rico hosting a game at roughly their 2017 clip, getting a little over 3,000 people. Um, the Armada, we just talked about 3,400. And the Deltas continue to have attendance problems, bringing in only about 1,400 and change to their stadium. Uh, if you look at the comparisons between the USL and the NASL in week 11 of competitions, NASL wins again, 4,400 for the NASL and 4,200 for the USL. As we've mentioned previously, you live with the MLS two teams, you die by the MLS two teams. So, again, Miami, uh, Miami, <laughs> the NASL get a leg up. Um, but, again, there's something to be said, though. Again, five of the top seven spots and realistically uh, 11 of the first 14 spots uh, in terms of attendance are being taken place by USL teams. Um, so, you know, they're a formidable opponent. It's just those MLS two teams that drag down uh, their attendance markers week in and week out. Um, going ahead and looking at the table, um, we touched on that briefly just before. Miami FC have opened up a five-point cushion uh, over the Armada and the Cosmos. Everybody in the NASL has now played 10 games after uh, the 2-1 win by the Edmonton. I was about to say by the Cosmos, by Edmonton. Um hmm tonight five point cushion in fourth place you have carolina and the deltas both there at 14 points edmonton moves up to sixth position the manchester united sixth position of the table uh at 10 points one point per game essentially and puerto rico sitting at seventh and being ahead on goal differential over indy 11 what the hell indy 11 to the bottom of the table pretty surprising that's pretty surprising yeah it's a bit of a fall from grace yeah brutal brutal for uh our, our comrades and our, our boys over at Bloody Shambles and the Indy 11 supporters group all around. Uh, just tough, man, tough. It's hard to play a barrage of games in a, in a season when you're playing it with a short roster and you're injury-hampered above that. 
Yeah, just not their year. They had uh-huh. a great season last year. This year, it's it's just not not cooking for them. It's it's. Let me tell you something. It could be the tale of two seasons, like ours almost was last season. They could also get on true. a run in the fall season and 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 make some noise with some you know mid season signings. So you never know uh, with regards to that aspect. Looking ahead, we do have FC Edmonton coming down the pipeline on Saturday. Where's the watch yeah. party at, Matt? Uh, the watch party is at... Sorry, I took you uh, by there with a curveball. I'm like, where's the watch party at? Why? Because I it, have no idea where the watch party's at. <laughs> it, it, I, God, I don't want to say anything. Get, get, I think so. Give, give, give me a second, though. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Edmonton again. Yes, it's for those. It's for those. I, I knew that. Yes. He says keep It talking. is at Fado's on Saturday. My he apologies. Says, he says keep talking, and then he immediately finds the answer here. You could at least yep. have, like, the professional courtesy to be like, yeah, keep talking. Just keep going till you're blue in the face. What, uh, what, are you done yet? No, 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 go some more, go some more. I'm still having a hard time finding it. Oh, look, it's at Fado's. <laughs> I found out two seconds after you started running your mouth. Um, so yes, it is at Fado's. What are the details for this watch party at Fado's, Matt? Uh, so the details are uh, a quick important note because it is Edmonton, uh, which is located a little bit farther to the west in Canada. It's a 9 p.m. kickoff. This is unusual. So please adjust your calendars, adjust your schedules, adjust whatever you need to adjust because uh, it is a 9 p.m. It's a bit of a later kickoff. You'll be down in Brickell. Game probably wrap up around 11, just about time. Perfect pregame to your perfect party Saturday night. Um It'll be on ESPN3 if you can't make it out. It'll also be on the CW, South Florida, um, with the fantastic broadcast crew there. Um, and uh, may or may not, and I say this not as like, a, oh, it's a sneaky surprise and we are doing it. I say it as I don't know. We may be painting some small, less than five foot TIFOs for the Open Cup game next week. Um, again, may, possibly, can't confirm. But if we can get the clearance from Fado and we can get our measurements and our supplies right, we might be doing a small one to take up to Orlando. Yep, some specials by Concrete Beach Brewery. Always love the yes, stuff that they pump out. $4 Czech Pilsners, $5 Stitzville Pints uh, from Fado's. So it should be a good time, man. It should be a good time. Uh, party will start around 8 o'clock, probably wrap up shortly after that. Remember, if you do not want to drive, and we do not condone drinking and driving on this episode or on this show. Well, I just say episode on the entire show. We don't condone that. <laughs> so you can Uber there. Don't listen to episode there. 11. Don't listen to episode <laughs> That's my favorite number. What's wrong with you? Um, so... Uh, you can't take the Metro to get there. Just make sure the Metro can take you home um, at that late ending of the soccer match. Um, it is also available to get there through many different routes. Um, please drink responsibly while you're at Fado's and, and, and have a great time as a Miami FC look to enter cup play um, You know, with an even bigger cushion, hopefully, uh, going into that match. Um, before we do go on and talk about Orlando. I feel like this is great. It's like just dangling a can in front of the stick. Even I'm getting excited. I'm like, I want to talk about Orlando. I don't care about Edmonton. Like, who cares about Edmonton? We're not talking about hockey, man. We're talking about soccer. Um, Edmonton, this is going to be the second time that we see them, um, you know, this season. And uh, it's important to note that they do have a different roster for the most part uh, than we got used to last season. They still have a Moby up top. They still have Dean Shields. Notable names like uh, Nicholas DiBiase, uh, Ben Fisk, guys that were on the squad last year, Saini Nyasi. Um, and their goalkeeping is being led, by the way. Um, Jesus, here I said their goalkeeper is being led by the way, and I have no idea who the leading goalkeeper is in Edmonton. That's bad, right? 
Yeah, that's, not great. That's not great. That's 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 not doing my job responsibly here. <laughs> I will tell you this: Nathan Ingham got the start tonight uh, in the Cosmos game that I was watching briefly. Whether or not Nathan Ingham is getting the majority of the starts for FC Edmonton, I don't know. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I cannot tell you. But they do have Chris Kanopka back there, and they also have... Um, oh, Jesus, no. How am I blanking on his name? That's not good. That's poor. And Farago. So uh, I'm not 100% sure which of the three are the starting goalkeepers, but um, probably safe to say if Ingham got the start tonight, uh, he might get the start on Saturday as well. Um Again, you do have to worry a little bit about their wing backs. Um, they are able to attack you off on the wing, and Edmonton's a team that would like to counter. But this is a team that won their game today, coming off the heels of getting blasted by Puerto Rico, another team that you know you don't really expect too much of. So um, Miami cannot take this team lightly. You can't take a team. You can't take a team lightly at all during league play. Um, but again, I would hope to see kind of watered down 11. I think this is a game where you can let Ariel Martinez start. I think you can let Johnny Steele get some minutes as well. And not that these players are watered down, not that these are players that, you know, you don't expect quality performances from. It's just these are players that haven't gotten minutes routinely. Um, they haven't broken and, and made the starting 11, um, you know, consistently throughout the season. So guys like Tyler Ruthven, guys like um, Brad Russin, you know, get Cesario some minutes if we can. You know, guys like that. Those are the guys that I want to see in this match because I want a full-blown, heavy-hitting starting eleven when we take on uh, Orlando in a week's time from this recording. Yeah, it's going to definitely be a, an interesting, <coughs> an interesting choice that the gaffer uh, Alessandro Nesta is going to have to make um, regarding who's going to play Saturday, who's going to play next week. Um, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Miami FC are kind of blessed with depth. Uh, they have a, a number of choices they can kind of plug and play. And, you know, maybe someone gets, you know, you have a lot of guys who can play a game and a half worth over the next week, you know, where you, maybe someone gets 90 minutes on Saturday and 45 on uh, Wednesday or vice versa. Um, again, it's a good problem to have when you've got yep. a lot of selections to choose. Uh, so, should we now transition fully into the Orlando City discussion? <laughs> that was quick. What are your predictions of uh, this game? How do you see this game uh, ending up? Um, I'm going to go draw. 1-1 one, one draw. I, I think that there is some discussion in the chat of it being a trap game. Uh, I think it is a little bit, and I'm not even saying that as, oh, Miami FC aren't taking it seriously. I think rightfully they're a little bit distracted. Um, I'm not, again, this is not some, I'm not lecturing them for being distracted. I think it's obvious that one would be distracted. I think Edmonton got a really good result for them tonight, and I think they could be on a bit of a roll. Um, it's a long flight to Edmonton. It's not a bus ride to Jacksonville. Um, I think there are just too many factors, and Miami FC have had too many things, you know, they've, they've been, been caught some, some breaks over the last month and a half. So I think now would be a, a you know, time, I, I would think, a loss is more likely than a win, but I think a draw is probably, if they get an early goal, I would not be surprised if it is park the bus and try to ride out 1-0, and if you get 1-1, it wouldn't be all that bad either. No, 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 sir. Stop right there. The streak continues. As Will Ferrell said, most notably in his movies, we're going streaking! And as I've been saying, <laughs> we're going to continue going streaking, and we will go streaking throughout the week. Miami gets this win. Maybe gets to close it out. I think it's going to be very dependent on the starting 11. Either way, I can see this game 
being a Vega breakout game, making sure his confidence is ready to go for the Orlando City match in the middle of the week. Uh, I have Miami winning this match 2-0. Two, 2-0. Two nil. Two nil. Okay, interesting. So you heard it here. I will be ecstatic uh, with a 2-0 win. Uh, Omar is expecting it. He has high standards, Miami FC. Getting no, I just start. want to keep running naked. Yeah, I mean, why not? I, I want mean, to keep doing this podcast naked. Was that too much information? Yeah, I mean, I am too. That's that's just the way we do it. That's just the way things are done. Okay, around these parts of town. <laughs> so, um, all right. All right let's do it. Let's, let's go for it. Let's come on. Yes. Yeah. This let's is do it. Here this we go. is the big. Yes, we're all pumped up. Whew. Miami FC, Orlando City. It's happening. Insert Ron Paul gif here. It's happening. Uh, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> So much to discuss. Um, before we talk about it, like I said, we have a special guest. And Omar, I will throw it to you to kind of set this up. All right. So I've been getting flack around these parts of town because I am an Orlando City fan. And I have Orlando City gear in my closet. And I do own two, not one, but two Orlando City hats. That being said, um, <laughs> I have followed the mainland. They're a basically version of us, except that they do more things and they cover more teams. Why? Because Orlando owns... Three different teams, Orlando City B in the USL and the Orlando Pride of the NWSL. So I was able to speak with Michael of the mainland, um, and he was able to kind enough to share some minutes with me uh, during the halftime of the OCB match this evening. Um, They do a fantastic job. I'm a big fan of their work. I follow them on Twitter personally to stay up to date with all the Orlando news because, uh, I mean, man... But they're honestly better probably than the beat writers uh, for the Orlando Sentinel. Um, and I would trust their information just a little bit more, I feel like, um, than some of the people who do cover the team otherwise. So that's really my setup. It's a lot of praise for them, and I, and I really do appreciate it. I had a great talk. Well, we talked about a little bit about the stadium, some things to do around the area, and uh, what to expect from uh, the boys in purple Um in next week's match so let's go ahead and head over to mike uh from the mainland here and let's see his thoughts on all of these topics so magic city soccer here it's omar and i am very very happy to be joined by uh michael from the mainland that's m-a-n-e don't go ahead and type in m-a-i-n uh they are the premier coverage of orlando city soccer clubs not only orlando city mls but we're also including orlando city b in the usl and the Orlando Pride. Michael, how are you doing today? Hey, doing great, Omar. Uh, thanks for having me on. Hey, man. Always a pleasure to have you guys. Um, always want teams in the state to do well. Maybe not in this necessarily round against us, per se. <laughs> but uh, in any other aspect, you know, I, I get a lot of flack. I have a lot of Orlando stuff in my closet. And people are questioning my allegiance for this game. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful stadium, which you guys have just opened up this season. Um what are your thoughts on it? Is it as beautiful in person as it is on a TV screen? Oh, I couldn't be any happier with uh, the way that the stadium came out. It's everything that we'd hoped for. It is it is loud. It is pulsating. It's uh, the drums bounce off the, the metal roofs and uh, and all the noise bounces off the roof and and uh, down back down onto the pitch. It's and it's kind of hard to describe how loud it is. I've I'm usually in the press box for games, but uh, I went to opening day and, and stood in the in the safe standing section because uh, I wanted to experience that and write about it. And um, 
it was it was almost like uh, at the end of the game, going home. It was almost like having been at a rock concert. A little bit of ring in the ears, a little bit, and uh, <laughs> uh, it, it was. It, it really feels like when you're in that stadium that the team can't lose or they can't give up goals. It's it's no matter how bad things get, it just doesn't seem like you know. No matter how, how many good chances they give up or how many uh, how much possession the other team has, it just doesn't seem like they're going to be able to break them down. And it's very. Um, uh, it's almost got a mystique about it. Now, that said, I don't know what kind of crowd we're going to see for uh, the U.S. Open Cup. Typically, a midweek Open Cup uh, early round game doesn't draw tons and tons of, uh, of fans. I, I'm assuming that there'll be a pretty good crowd coming up from Miami for that. And uh, I think um, yeah, I think last year, the, the second game Orlando City played, they had 3,100, which isn't... Uh, you know, it's just not even a, a, a fraction of what they, the team normally draws. So right. uh, I'm thinking it'll be more this year because of the new stadium. It's uh, it's very accessible. Uh, I think that there's some intrigue with the in-state team, and, and we haven't seen you guys. So I think it'll be probably at least 5,000 and and hopefully more. And uh, I think it'll be the, – the cool thing about the stadium is even when it's not full, it still seems pretty loud. Okay. So uh, it'll be interesting to to see what happens, but I think you guys are going to like the stadium, and it's it, it's just uh, been amazing for us in, in MLS play this year. And I, I'm absolutely stoked to see it. I went to two games at the Citrus Bowl, um, and I definitely even the Citrus Bowl was loud. It's open air without the you know the the easiness of having you know metal structures being able to bounce you know sound off of, and that place was was always loud and 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 you know a very vibrant atmosphere i should say um so i'm definitely one of the people who are extremely excited to check out the stadium and and, and everything it has to offer so we have a lot of guys we have a strong contingent i shouldn't say guys guys and girls uh going up to orlando for the midweek game uh sacrificing some days off for that (laughs) what is there to do in the area i do know that the stadium is located just a few blocks west of the amway center in downtown so Mm -hmm. how, how feasible is getting there um, are there bars nearby? Is there places to eat, or should we just go, you know, grab something from iDrive before getting over there? Oh, there's plenty of stuff in, in walking distance of the stadium. Uh, just a few blocks to the east, you've got downtown. Uh, there's uh, Church Street Station. Uh, the stadium, the south end of the stadium is right off Church Street, so okay. uh, you could just walk right down from Church Street Station right to the stadium. It's uh, there's a number of bars and restaurants there. There's uh, there is a uh, brewery called the Broken Cauldron just about two blocks west of the stadium on Church, and it's uh, you know I can cannot speak highly enough of the craft beer that they serve there. Uh, and they, I believe they also have some food trucks there. So um, th- there's plenty of options, I think, especially in the downtown area. Sounds good. Um, I saw one place on Instagram that the team, I think it was either you guys or the team that put out, it seemed to be like an Orlando City-centered pub. Yeah, the Lions Pride Pub just opened, and uh, it's uh, it's all themed for Orlando City. Uh, they've got like a whole wall of televisions, and, um, you know, I've I've – Heard that there were some little bit of growing pains, I think, with the with the wait times uh, early on. It's okay. it's only been open uh, for a few weeks, but uh, certainly it's a soccer themed, um, you know, venue. And and I think that uh, you know they'll they'll just continue to to dial in and get things better. I know that the, most of the people I know that went went on on very busy game pregame <laughs> times. So you're going to wait a little longer on a you know a day that it's really crowded like that. But uh, yeah, not a bad. Uh, 
not a bad place to go if you if you are into the whole soccer thing. It's uh, it's definitely for you. Yeah, I, I saw a few photos and I was just like, whoa! Like I I need to go there if I'm not going for the Miami game. I was targeting going for this Saturday's game, and I was just like, I I gotta go. I gotta I gotta hit that spot. Um, Michael, I, I again we're here live with Michael Citro of the Mainland, themainland.com, SB Nation. They cover Orlando City's plethora of soccer teams from MLS, USL, <laughs> and the Pride in the NWSL. Um. What is the scouting report? What is what, in your opinion, do you think, or what do you expect Orlando to throw out on the field for this Open Cup match? I personally have talked to Nesta, and I asked him a question at the press conference at the end of our last home game, saying, "Is this team prepared to cover the likes or to or mark the likes of Kaká, Nocherino, Kyle Laren?" Um, and and he was pretty blunt with me. Miami FC just had about three matches in the last seven days, and he said, "At this point in time, tomorrow, no." <laughs> no, if, if the game is in a couple of days, then maybe yes, not a problem. So who do you expect to see? Because I've been very vocal about if Orlando fields a full-strength MLS squad, I would not put money on Miami. However, if the USL squad comes out, I would probably be willing to throw some money Miami's way. So what are your thoughts on what do you expect to see from the boys in purple um, come Wednesday? Well, that's the real question, isn't it? I think with um, with the game originally having been scheduled on Tuesday, I think we may have m- might have seen a few more MLS regulars. Um, with it being moved to Wednesday, and with Orlando City having a Saturday game in conference against Montreal, I think uh, maybe that will put one or two more on the shelf. Um, Jason Christ takes this, or historically has taken this competition very seriously. Uh, but that said, he still has to manage his uh, his players, and I think uh, also with the you know the fact that you've got the uh, international rules for U.S. Open Cup, that's going to affect the lineup some. I would expect that you won't see Kaká, um, although he could be in the 18 just because it's a uh, it's a home date, and they might want to, you know, sell those extra few tickets. Um, I, I suspect you won't see Jonathan Spector or Joe Bendick in that game. Maybe not Scott Sutter. Um, but Orlando City is right now pretty healthy and has a lot of guys uh, on loan to OCB that we could see that are MLS quality. I think you might see Seb Hines at center back because he's, um, you know, he's not an international. He's uh, he doesn't count against that, so I think we might see him at center back and maybe Tommy Redding, a, a young uh, U.S. U-20 player, just getting back from the U-20 FIFA World Cup. Um, that might be your, your center back uh, duo for the game. Um, there are some uh, MLS quality uh, fullbacks. That uh, Fullback seems to be a, a, a position that's kind of deep now for Orlando City, which it wasn't in the past, but sure. uh, with Sutter and... Uh, and Toya playing very well. I think you could see uh, PC, who played in this um, competition last year and actually scored the goal that knocked Orlando City out against Fan the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Show. Fan favorite on our show, <laughs> PC. <laughs> yeah, so PC could be in the lineup, but since he's an international, it would not surprise me to see Toya play in that game, actually, and then save PC for Montreal. Um, I think you could see uh, some very young, raw talent that's in the USL right now. Richie Larea has played very, very well in the USL this year, and he may uh, be recalled for that game. And the same with uh, just an 18-year-old kid named Pierre Da Silva, uh, who's actually not in the starting lineup tonight for OCB, but he's in the 18. He's been, um, for two years now, the best, one of the best passers in the USL. So he's uh, a guy that can create chances. Up top, I think you're going to see Haji Berry. Uh, the draft pick out of uh, Central Florida. 
Uh, he'll probably be one of the strikers in the game. I think in goal, you're either going to see Josh Saunders, who is a uh, a very experienced MLS goalkeeper, or you'll see Earl Edwards Jr., who is um, leading the USL in saves right now. So uh, he's had a fantastic uh, season, and, and Jason Christ may reward him with a U.S. Open Cup appearance with the first team. So uh, it'll be interesting. I, I don't really know exactly what we're going to see. Um, we'll try to We'll try to pick at Jason a little bit over the next week or two, but I, I think he's going to play his cards uh, pretty close to the vest. Yeah, uh, as long as I don't see bending between the pipes, I think I'll be pretty happy. Uh, <laughs> in this case, for the one time that I won't be wearing purple at uh, Orlando City Stadium or, I guess, the Citrus Bowl previously. Um, Michael, I'm going to let you go just because I know you're covering the second half of the OCB game. One quick question, though, before I do let you run out. It has come to my attention that there is a USL game against Toronto 2, uh, on the same date at Toronto, does that mm-hmm. impact what you guys might throw out and might actually be forced to throw out an MLS squad um, because you need to designate USL guys to make that trip to Toronto? Or is your USL depth big enough to cover, I guess, what would be a split squad scrimmage? I, I think that Jason Christ will be um, comfortable uh, he'll work with Anthony Pulis, obviously, and I, I think they'll be comfortable uh, pulling up at least the guys that I mentioned because there are guys that can step in and play for OCB. You can, uh, if you take out Larea, you can uh, bring in, you know, Danny Deacon can play in his position. Uh, if you bring up um, Seb Hines, I think that Connor Donovan can play uh, at center back for them. And um, you know, uh, obviously, if I, I expect Earl to play uh, mm-hmm. for OCB. That's why I said I think Char- I think Saunders will play uh, in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, but with Saunders getting his first appearance of the year with with OCB tonight, uh, this might be a precursor to sending Saunders on the road trip okay. uh, with OCB and keeping uh, Earl for the for the U.S. Open Cup game. It's 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 going to be interesting. But I, I think there is to answer your question in a in a <laughs> very long roundabout way. <laughs> it's all good. I, I think OCB does have uh, enough depth sufficiently to uh, uh, to field a team, and then you know a couple guys might fly up uh, for the other uh, the other game in Ottawa um, after the uh, U.S. Open Cup game. Sounds great, Michael. Thank you so much for being on with us. I really appreciate it. Make sure to catch out not only Michael but the rest of the Mainland's crew's work at themainland.com and at I'm not mistaken, I believe it's at the mainland on Twitter, right? Yep, yep. We're at the mainland, and we're spelled like a lion's mane, not like Main Street, because we love our lion puns. <laughs> Michael, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. We'll, get, we'll see you next week. Sounds good, man. See you soon. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. So thanks again to Michael uh, from the mainland. Again, you've got not only some interesting tidbits about the stadium, some places to hang out before the match, uh, things, places to eat, places to drink, and and what to expect from the guys in purple. And and it was funny because we were having this conversation, and and I wanted to not make this a two-way dialogue. I really wanted his thoughts and let his um, analysis of of his team shine through. Because I'm an Orlando City fan, but I don't know all the ins and outs of Orlando City um, like he does. So I agreed with him for the most part. I've always said, and I mentioned during the during the interview that. Should Orlando put out a full USL squad, I, I would bet on Miami. Uh, I'd be willing to bet a mortgage payment on Miami. That's how strongly I feel uh, about Miami's quality. However, if Orlando were to f- uh, go ahead and pull out a full MLS team, I would be very hesitant uh, of putting that amount of money on this Miami FC club. Not because of 
quality from Orlando MLS, but also because of cohesion and chemistry and how those 11 guys play together. Um, one of the notable things he did say, Matt, was that uh, Joe Bendick may not be in between the pipes. This might be a battle of who gets to start between their two backup goalies. Josh Saunders, formerly of New York City FC, and um, Edwards, who has also been spending time in the MLS and in USL. Josh Saunders got the start tonight for OCB. Um, he had not played uh, for the USL side previously at the season. Um, so we don't know who's going to be in between the pipes. He did make a note, as you guys just heard, that PC might get the start. Drew's favorite player. Uh, oh boy, now Drew's going to be conflicted too. He's going to be conflicted. You know what? He might walk <laughs> out of that stadium with a PC jersey. <laughs> this is... I, I, I That's... Yeah. I, I, I think that's a good possibility. <laughs> So, Drew, in case you don't know, is a PC fanboy, and if you don't know that, then you haven't been listening to this podcast. Right. Well, welcome to the Magic City Soccer Podcast, where we discuss <laughs> all things PC. Uh, <laughs> so on top of that, you know, it, it should be interesting. Um, just to kind of recap some of my thoughts on what we expect to see, he mentioned some names that I have not really uh, paid attention to. Seb Hines, I wasn't aware, was not in the starting 11-fold. This is a guy who is a set-piece specialist for Orlando um, in terms of, you know, putting in headers off set-pieces. Um, uh, he's a center-back. They also have Tommy Redding, uh, who was on the under-20 team for the USA, who just performed ex- pretty much as well as you can expect um, at the world stage for the FIFA World Cup under-20s, um, bowing out to Venezuela in extra time there in the quarterfinals. Um, who else do they got? I know they have Toya, a guy who has been on the fringe of the MLS. He's been spending time with PC over at left back. Uh, I think Sutter might get a start at right back, but I'm not 100% sure he's a Swiss international. They want to keep a lot of their international players, I think, at bay is one thing that um, he was discussing with me. He wanted to make sure that they, they tried to keep a lot of the domestic products, again, guys with green cards or um, United States or Canadian players. So... Are we going to see Nocherino? Probably not. Are we going to see Kaká? Probably not. He might be in the 18 just to, you know, get people to want to come in for walk-up attendance from the Orlando metro area. Um, I don't think, I agree with him, I don't think we're going to see Kyle Aaron up top. I think we'll see Haji Berry. But the thing with Haji Berry is that he's a very formidable striker in his own right. Uh, he's not Kyle Aaron. He's not a dynamic, prolific, you know, he can he can attack you from multiple angles. But when he does attack you, it, it is lethal. Um, he was one of the number one picks out of the MLS draft out of Central Florida. So he is essentially a homegrown product uh, for Orlando City. Um, coming out of you know UCF, so it's going to be an interesting match. Um, it's going to really come down to what Orlando's eleven is going to be because I think Miami's eleven is going to be very predictable. I think we'll see the same three guys up top, um, you know Chavez, Ranella, and uh, Poku, and I think we'll see the same three guys in the middle with Lahood, um, Richie Ryan, and Dylan Mars, and 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 you know. The, the plug-and-play back four, I think you'll see Bernstein, I think you'll see Trafford, and I think you'll see Kassir on the left back, and then it depends on you know who's feeling great to play the right back position on that day. Yeah, it's going to be, again, we won't know, we won't have a great idea of who will be playing Wednesday until we see who's playing Saturday. Um, but it's... It's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a nervy ride up um, on the Dade Brigade bus, uh, per, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, kind of waiting for that team sheet to come out and see who exactly who's getting the play and who isn't. Um, but you would hope that Miami FC are putting forward a full, uh, a full-throated challenge to this uh, to this Orlando City team, whether Orlando City plays MLS players or USL players or whoever the hell they pick up off the street. 
uh, you would hope that Miami FC take this seriously, especially, again, kind of tying back into what we talked about early in the podcast um, with all the news happening with MLS Miami this week. This is a real opportunity for Miami FC to grab some attention in the South Florida market. When a lot of people are, when they hear about your team and they say, well, is that the Beckham team? You can say, well, no, but we've played MLS teams and beaten them. You know, it's it's a big, st- again, it, I used the phrase earlier, I use it a lot, but a uh, statement of intent. What are your intentions? What do you intend to do as a club? And um, this is this really presents a golden opportunity. Yeah, it presents a golden opportunity because not only do you get to play Orlando, the MLS team, the only MLS team in Florida at the moment, but you also get to possibly host an MLS team in the next round. Um with regards to that so you know it's going to be big because it'll be a big south florida soccer event should miami get past and be able to host a fifth round event um and i think that'll be one that draws very well i don't think people will no longer say oh this is just another midweek game for you know second division soccer it's like wait a second and that's really what you think let's have a conversation for five minutes and let me change your mind about that so um it's going to be really interesting again I, I, going back to Edmonton, I feel like this is a game where you don't want to risk injury because of how much is on the line for Orlando. But I think sometimes, I, you know, when I look at this from a, a team perspective, when I try to get in Nesta's head, I don't think he shares the same sentiments as I do. I don't think he realizes how big of a game this is for people of Miami or people who want to establish a rivalry with other Florida teams. I don't think that that comes into his head at all. I think his thought process is, I need to win the spring season in order to get into the playoffs and, you know, not have to worry too much throughout the fall season. But for the fans' perspective, for the team's perspective, for pretty much everything outside of the NASL, this is huge, uh, not only for this club, but for this market. Um, and there's just that, that, that want and that need to win that game from people in the 305 and the people from the Miami metro area, especially knowing that the Fort Lauderdale strikers were able to do it with a roster that, you know, I would argue this Miami FC team should tear through. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, there's, it's, that's the thing. That's why I kind of hold my breath and say, where it's going to be a little worrisome the day of, because you don't, you're not inside the mind of Alessandro Nesta. And we saw last year, uh, how he valued the U.S. Open Cup competition or how he didn't. Um, and it reflected in a pretty embarrassing loss, I would say the low point of the season, uh, really. Um, and, and so far this year, to his credit, you, you know, the, the intent has changed. And you would just right. hope that it's not for the purpose of just avoiding embarrassment. It's for the purpose of saying, hey, you know, even if we don't win the whole damn thing, which is you know, not to say that I don't want to win the whole damn thing, but even if we don't win the whole thing, if we can somehow nick a victory off of Orlando City, that's enormous. And it's arguably bigger than anything the team is capable of doing in the league, even right. if they win the soccer bowl. You know, right. that's that's ultimately your goal every year. And with the, the, the quality of players Miami FC have, they should expect to win the soccer bowl this year. But... If you gotta pick one, as a fan, as in a, as a fan of the team, and as a supporter of soccer in Miami-Dade County, you could very reasonably argue that winning this game against Orlando would be bigger than even winning the soccer bowl. I would take I would take the Open Cup, not even just winning the game. If you if you were to give me the option, of, can you win the U.S. Open Cup or can you win the NASL League? at the end of the season, like in a playoff, I'd rather take oh, the Open sure. Cup every day. And the reason why yes. I want to take the Open Cup every day is because you force local mainstream media 
to talk about your team. If you're doing great in a league that doesn't get coverage because of its or because of its lack of quality or because of its lack of teams or because of its lack of attention or lack of attendance, you know, just because you win that league doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, unfortunately, to the people who are trying to sell advertisements on rating slots. However, if now you're talking about you're going to get games against, for example, Atlanta, a DC United, uh, even possibly a game or two, you know, against an FC Dallas or a Houston Dynamo, you know, heaven forbid you you get down to New York Red Bulls or New York City FC and you lock down a team with a huge fan base or you end up with a finals match against a team like the Portland Timbers or the Seattle Sounders, which, you know, either way, one of those teams are going to be knocked on the next round, but let's not go down that bubble road. Um, it's huge. It's huge for the team. It's huge for the appeal of the team, not only in your metro area, but nationwide because it allows fans to connect with what essentially would would be an underdog story even if this roster isn't built for the underdogs um as matt alluded to just a few moments ago with regards to you know nesta's approach to this uh year's version of the open cup he has played strong starting 11s there haven't really been times where when he's made mistakes with the starting 11 he's quickly changed them with regards to the uh the, the surf match and and dylan Mares was the reason why we advanced to our Tampa Bay. And I understand also, if you don't want to make Dylan play 90 minutes every game, like, listen, I get it, man. That is a toll on a body. I totally understand. But Dylan Mares was the key to unlocking the Rowdies. And, and should Dylan Mares not start the match against Orlando, don't be surprised if he's on pretty early, um, should the match <laughs> be going the wrong way or the match be another gridlock 0-0. But it's another key big thing because you're not you're, – the team – forget about the players – Forget about the guy who's wearing the jersey. Let's talk about the just the crest, right? Let's talk about just the, the logo that's on the jersey. The logo that's on this jersey that we're going to be playing next Wednesday isn't Orlando City B. It's not Orlando Pride. It's not, uh, you know, Orlando 2. It, it, it's Orlando. It's Orlando's City Soccer Club. This is the Orlando MLS team, period. That's the crest that you're playing. That crest carries weight, whether you want to think so or not. Right. So beating this team, forget about who they throw in the starting 11 because that'll be on a box score that'll go away. Beating Orlando's MLS team would be huge, not only for the market, not only for the team, but also as a warning shot to Miami MLS saying, listen, you're coming in here with the intentions of stealing what will be a majority of our fan base or that's what your thoughts may be. However, look what we just did to Orlando. We'll do this to you too. Yeah, I definitely think I, I, I've, you know, we've we've had a lot of conversations with, uh, you know, different people, the Day Brigade and different South Florida soccer people, both you and I separately and together. And, and I, again, I think we've made our, our opinions well known generally that I, I am very much in favor of a MLS team coming to South Florida, coming to Miami-Dade County. Um, and I don't think that it's an either-or proposition. At least for me, it's not. I will keep my my Miami FC season tickets I will get Miami you know MLS season tickets and I will go to as many possible games that I can um until you but, have kids yeah and then that all goes away <laughs> um yeah so um but I I support it you know you were talking earlier when we were talking about the the commission meeting that Soccer is kind of it's a different beast when it comes to support you know like I'm a I'm a very big um, 
you know, Miami Heat fan. I'm a very big Baltimore Ravens fan and Baltimore Orioles fan. I'm from Baltimore. It's what I grew up with. Uh, I'm a big University of Miami Hurricanes fan. But I would say the, like, the most kind of events that I've gone, excluding live competition, but, like, the most events, like, watch parties and, like, meetups with former team players and those kind of things, it's it's UM and, and soccer-related, honestly. That'd be that they're probably pretty well tied with one another. There's a different level to it, the level of the commitment. And, you know, as a supporter of soccer, I want us to win MLS and NASL and NPSL. And USL. (laughs) Yes, and, and yeah, get us a USL team, let's win that too. I want everything because I feel like we ought to have it because we're Miami, damn it, and we deserve it. And I, I think that... Miami FC have a clock now. They have a clock that is running, and they need to be identifying ways that they can get the one up on MLS before they get in here and really create a, a, a local rivalry. And this is, if it's not the best opportunity they're going to have before the first kickoff of MLS Miami, it's going to be one of the best. Right. And again, what, Alessandro Manesta may have one sort of plan in mind and that's all well and good but sometimes you know bigger things are at play even bigger than your whole season this year you know it could be the long-term health and viability of the franchise of the the club with the team whatever you want to call it um i think that's what's at play here i think it's that big of a deal if if miami fc can actually pull it off it changes the direction of everything and like you said omar it throws down the gauntlet and says well great you're gonna start playing in three years or four years and you're probably going to not be great when you start you know who knows it is Beckham and and maybe they can uh you know build a great team from the jump but we saw Miami FC last year just because you spend big money and you think you got the players doesn't mean you do right um you're going to come into the league and you're probably going to stink we're going to be here and when we play MLS teams we play them strong and we play them tight and we win having that kind of statement in your back pocket is strong and important yeah, and and it's and it's huge for both clubs though because if you get a really good game out of this match, um, and even if Miami FC doesn't squeak it out, you now create kind of a little bit of a rivalry that that, that helps both teams. Why? Because you have Miami transplants in Orlando, and you have Orlando transplants in Miami. So if you're able to get friendlies scheduled throughout the year, or you know at the end of the seasons, beginning of the seasons, preseasons, and you know have let's say a home and away fixture, you know that doesn't mean anything per se for either club, but you'll sell out. A good chunk of both stadiums though if you have orlando city come to fiu um and play a game you'll have a lot of people there just to see orlando and the possibility of cacao maturino etc and if you have miami fc coming to orlando and that rivalry is being built you have a lot of miami transplants and a lot of people from miami willing to make that drive to you know see the facility hang out there you know kind of get in a soccer event and it becomes an event it doesn't become a game um, so it, it'll be fun. Um, you know, we're all hoping for a win. I am hoping for, you know, a 6-0 blowout so I don't have to worry or be nervous about it by, by any means necessary and go from there. Um, we alluded to something earlier, and we do want to wrap this up because we're noticing that this pod's getting a little long here. Um, <laughs> there is a Day Brigade bus. Yes, there is a bus that's going to be leaving St. Thomas University and driving to Orlando with the Day Brigade faithful, um, and it comes with a ticket to the game. Um, and they basically park you off in the front door, and they let you loose, and they tell you, just kind of like high school going to grad night, be back at a certain time, or we're coming home, right? <laughs> um, the way this works is the following. Um, you need to buy a ticket, and this ticket that you will be buying will include uh, the bus fare. 
you must be a Day Brigade member in order to be allowed on the bus and to travel with, um, you know, with the rest of the Day Brigade and go to the stadium. That being said, this is the way the logistics work down. If you are not a member of Day Brigade yet and you're listening to this podcast, you will need to pay the $40 membership fee to access Day Brigade. You can go to daybrigade.com and follow the links to becoming a member on there. It is $40. $40 will get you a t-shirt, a scarf, uh, some other goodies, um, and essentially full-blown membership. The ticket to the match is being sold through Orlando. It is a $16 ticket. There are some Ticketmaster fees that apply, but again, you know, $16 is not a whole heck of a lot. So essentially we're saying... I, for, I will tell you, I've already bought my ticket, 18 bucks with the fees. It's very eight, reasonable. 18 for a bucks, Ticketmaster ticket, that's about as good as you're going to get. Yeah, it's about as good as you're going to get. So for $58, you're getting a Day Brigade membership, which includes a t-shirt, a scarf, and other goodies. You're getting a ticket to the Orlando City match. And a good seat in the corner section, um, if I may say out loud. All right, and you're getting the transportation to and from. Tolls alone on the turnpike going up. If you're willing to make this drive by yourself, is going to be twenty six dollars each way. So for just the amount that you'd be paying in tolls to get to and from Orlando uh, to Miami, you're getting the ticket, you're getting the transportation, you're getting the company, and you're getting the game. So. That being said, in order to access this deal, once you become a member of Dade Brigade, um, you should reach out to Drew Hausman, who is you know, our co-host and uh, president of Dade Brigade for this coming year. Um, you will be given access and granted to the event page. You can access the event page now. You go through Dade Brigade and you look for the June 14th event. It is titled Dade Brigade, hashtag Beat Orlando, Bus Trip, Miami FC versus Orlando City. There is a full written list of instructions on that event page that you must follow you must follow it thoroughly if you don't follow the instructions thoroughly you will be left behind if you show up to st thomas university with a ticket uh with an 18 dollars ticket and you don't have a day brigade membership and it's not verified by brigade leadership or by the team you will not be getting on that bus pretty simple and straightforward right make sure you take a look at the facebook page make sure you take a look at the event page uh follow all the instructions if you don't have if you do have questions make sure that you send a message to the brigade's facebook account or reach out to drew hausman personally on twitter at it's hausman lol uh in order to get all of the facts and infos that you need um to make this trip with the rest of the brigade yeah it's going to be a real fun time um basically go on (laughs) Go on the, 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 the page, click the link to buy the ticket, email Drew Hausman at drewhausman at gmail.com, and that's it. And, and, and you're golden. Just follow the instructions. Don't be a doofus. Um, yeah, don't be an idiot. Don't try to shortcut. Don't try to say, oh, I have a brigade <laughs> membership when you don't. Don't, don't do that because you're going to end up wasting time, wasting money, and then probably holding a ticket to a game that you cannot get to. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to be, you're gonna be like you said, wasting a lot of time really – uh, to your own detriment and, and to everyone's detriment, but mainly to your detriment because you're not going to be going along. Uh, it's it's too good of a deal um, to really pass up, I will tell you. Um, you know, credit to um, to Lee Eifens and Drew Hausman, who uh, were hammering out a lot of the details. And I think Drew is, as we are recording this, one of the re- – like legitimately one of the reasons he's out on the podcast is because he's dealing with some of these issues because this just went live today. We are recording on Wednesday. Um, uh, additional credit to the Miami FC who are facilitating us getting the bus basically 
free for nothing. Yeah, for uh, nothing. yeah. You know, basically, as long as you have a ticket, you got a bus ride too, um, and it's too good of a good deal to pass up. And again, like like Omar said, if you're not in Dade Brigade yet, but you're thinking about going to this trip, it's it's under sixty bucks transportation and ticket and a T-shirt and a scarf. You know, like what what more could you ask for? That's it. Um, I, if you're asking for more, you know, we we can't give it to you. <laughs> you know, we, we're we're you you must live a very uh, disappointed life because sheltered life. Yeah. yeah, you got you're asking for a lot, man. You're asking for a lot. Um, <laughs> you should be so, a county commissioner, is what you should be. Yes, that's right. So, yeah, Soto will will not go on this trip unless two t-shirts are provided. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, join us. It's going to be a good time. It's 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 something that a Miami team really hasn't done since two thousand one, which is play an ML, play MLS competition um, uh, in the Open Cup. Because I don't think I don't ever think the old Miami FC got a game against MLS. I could be no, wrong there, but no, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, definitely not in the state of Florida. I can tell you that yeah. much. That there's not um, been an in-state game against Florida competition that's MLS quality since 2001. It's been 15 years. So, uh, you know, go, go help us make some history. Yeah. Um, if Full disclosure, if you do not uh, have a Day Brigade membership or you do not want to sit with the Day Brigade, tickets are available through Ticketmaster. You just need to go ahead and put in the Orlando City Soccer Club or the Miami FC. You will see the fixture there. Uh, the stadium is pretty much wide open with regards to tickets uh, availability. Um, so if if you know, you just aren't up for the banging, cheering, the drinking, the singing, um, and, and nobody will blame you. Nobody will blame you because you know we're we're an all inclusive podcast here. Um, feel free to take a look at the website. Um, again, go to Ticketmaster.com. Uh, go over there and, and check out the, the tickets are fairly reasonable in pricing. Um, so you know, Madrid Brigade did get one of the best deals of the stadium by far. I'm not even going to sit here and try to mince words about it. They did get one of the best deals imaginable. However, there are plenty of other decent deals out there as well. Um, if that's not your cup of tea. All right, Matt, you got anything left here? Uh, I actually do want to give a, a, a quick shout out to, uh, something I mentioned on Twitter, uh, totally unrelated to Miami Dade County, but I did, uh, reference earlier in the podcast. I'm from Baltimore. Uh, you know, Miami FC are my a number one open cup team. Um, but like, uh, like Omar, I have a second team in the Open Cup that I am rooting for, and it is Christos FC. Um, <laughs> the amateur squad out of Baltimore, run from a liquor store on the west side of the county, um, are playing DC United in the next round. It's a really great story, uh, and I would recommend uh, just checking it out. Go to their their Twitter account. is remarkably active for an amateur squad. Um, it's uh, at Christos, C-H-R-E-S-T-O-S-F-C. Um, I, I just got my beanie hat from them in the mail, so I'm very excited about that. I would love an open cup final of Miami FC versus Christos FC. I would have some. I would be torn, but I'd be rooting for Miami. But um, yeah, it's a great story. They're a bunch of amateurs. They barely practice, and they're at the same level as MLS teams now. It's it's really it's it's cliche and hackneyed, and and we kind of joke about it sometimes. But it really is the magic of the cup. Um, you know, when you talk about the magic of the cup, that's what you're talking about is these kind of ridiculously low level teams that are barely surviving, getting in and, and, and just being knockout Kings being giant killers. Uh, and so I'll, I will definitely be rooting for them against the DC United. That's all I have. That's my last little note. And, and I'll say this though, DC United, the second worst home team, uh, in MLS play this season, they've only gotten eight points on eight matches, uh, hosting a two, two and four record. So 
if that's any indication as to what Crystals can accomplish to a team that's very much underperforming at their home against MLS sides, hey man, more power to them. It would be awesome to see. Are, are they a local qualifier? Yeah, I think believe they are. Um, that team being a local qualifier, getting into what would be the fifth round. Of, and Jesus Christ, can you imagine if they had to host an MLS squad? Isn't that I, the, essentially the magic of the FA Cup too? Like when you have this like really top, you know, lavish, polished team like a United or Arsenal or Chelsea having to travel to like a League Two side and playing on a pitch that's like all destroyed. That's the dream. That is really the dream. Jesus uh, Christ, that, that Christos would be can awesome. grind this out. I, 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 I think they have a non-zero percent chance of winning. I think there's a, a <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't say it's you know fifty-fifty, but I, I would not be surprised if. Uh, if they could somehow figure out a way to get one nil, um, get under the skin, get through red cards, play the match eleven on eight, and just see what happens. Yeah, you know why not? Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it, it it will be interesting to see, and because yeah, that would be pretty fantastic. Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> good 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 luck to them. Um, good luck to all the smaller squads against the the big teams. We you know I always root for the giant killers. So that's always a hell of a story, um, and yeah, I guess that's it. All right, are we are we going to plan to have another episode uh, prior to the Open Cup match, or am I? Is it safe to say that we're probably not? Yeah, I think we'll 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 maybe do something on the Facebook Live up there. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think we'll 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 wait to recap this maybe Thursday of next week, or or, or maybe at the game on Saturday. Yeah, so, no, sounds like a plan to me. Uh, a few of the other smaller sides that are going to be playing uh, in the Open Cup, other than Crystal FC, you have the OKC Energy taking on the Colorado Rapids. Um, you have FC Cincinnati. I don't really want to say they're a smaller squad, man. They're pretty good. Um, yeah. You also have the Charleston Battery. You have the Carolina Railhawks still in it. You have St. Louis FC still in it as well. Uh, Orange County SC, another local qualifier, uh, getting in there. San Francisco Delta. So you still have a lot of lower lower division side still in the tournament uh getting their shot of taking on an mls team um so it should be it's going to be fun times it's going to be a, a fun fourth round to watch immediately the day after we'll get the fifth round draw and see who the winners will play and where they will be playing yep a lot of stuff in a lot of coals in the fire over the next couple of days so stay tuned uh follow us at magic city soccer on twitter facebook.com slash magic city soccer uh Omar is on Twitter. What's your? T- it's Omar, at Omar Mubayed, right? No, no, no. It's Mubayed eleven. M O U B as in boy, A Y E D as in David eleven. Uh, there are two other matches that you can watch um, as we're leading on to basically this weekend's play. There is a double header. The USA women's team will be playing in the middle of the day against Sweden. I don't know what channel it's on. I think it's on ESPN two. The USA men's team do have a World Cup qualifier against Trinidad and Tobago from Denver. The game is scheduled to kick off eight p.m. Eastern. Um, so make sure that you stay tuned and watch that match. I believe that's going to be on Fox Sports 1, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 8.30, if you're local and you want to watch some local soccer or some international soccer locally, there is a Venezuela versus Ecuador match going on in Boca Raton at FAU Stadium. Um, so that'll be fun times as well. Over the weekend, you do have a Miami United away match as well on Sunday. So it's, it's really a rest of the week, man. These next 11 days is going to be Miami Soccer Week Part 2 almost. I've I've also just uh, uh, remembered something we almost forgot. Uh, how dare we? Uh, FC Surge got FC a big Surge. win. Got uh-huh. a big win uh, last weekend. They got their home opener on Saturday at Amelia Earhart Field in uh, in Hialeah. Uh, free admission, six p.m. Uh, on Saturday the tenth. 
you know, the girls uh, hope to keep it up. They played uh, Pinellas County and Tampa Bay Hellenic over the weekend. Uh, this weekend, they're playing Florida Soul on Saturday and uh, DME WFC on Sunday. Those are both home games. The Sunday home game is at 2 p.m. Yeah. Um, yeah, so again, like we said, just jam-packed with soccer. we got too much yep. to talk about. That's why this too damn episode is going so long. Too goddamn long. All right. <laughs> All right, hit the road. Let's get the hell out I, of here. I'm at Matthew S. Bunch on Twitter. Uh, be there, be square. Uh, until the next time, Omar, thank you, pal. Always a pleasure, my friend. I have been Matthew Bunch, and until next time, go Miami FC and go Miami soccer. Hey, Guinness, I'm drinking way too much of your beer during these episodes. How about you get us a sponsorship deal?